Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4 and going to uh, verse 8. And this is what it says. As you can see it on the screen there. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. My phone's playing music. What's wrong with me? I'll just put that down there. Yeah, so I know. What have I said about phones? Um, so here we are. I, actually, I, so I, I spent ages umming and erring about what on earth um, do you preach about on a Sunday like this. Um, you know, I had this kind of fixed plan of what I was going to preach on. So we are, we're in a prayer, prayer series in which we are looking at this kind of acronym that Pete Gregg offers. Um, so we have P for pause, R for rejoice, A for ask, and Y for yield, or yes. And um, my plan today, and still is, is to speak on the importance of rejoicing in the Lord. Um, but the passage that I was going to preach on uh, was in 2 Samuel chapter 6, where David um, is in front of the ark, and he is rejoicing in the Lord in his underwear. Um, it's a fantastic story um, of what it looks like um, to worship and rejoice with abandon, to not care what other people think. Um, and I think, while I think that is still very, very true, um, I, this, this, uh, this passage that I, that I read was one that I thought was even more apt for this moment. But the one thing I do want to say about that passage is, uh, so the kids are still looking at 2 Samuel 6, and uh, the activity that's been planned for them, I think, is genius. Um, and I, I guess I wanted to warn you of what you may see when your children come out of kids' church. Uh, so the activity will be decorating underwear. Um, and that underwear will then be placed over the top of their clothes while they dance in quite an undignified way um, as they... And, uh, you know, you have those moments where you're like... Is that appropriate? Have we crossed the line? Um, and so I, I spoke to one of my buddies who I pray with um, regularly. And I said to him, what would you do if, if, if this was proposed as an idea? And he looked down. I thought he was about to say that was wildly inappropriate. He said, actually, I can't think of a better way to communicate that passage. So it will stick with the children. So there we go. They are decorating underwear. It will go over the top of their clothes and they will dance undignified to the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. So, <laughs> very enjoyable. There will be lots of other things that will happen in the midst of the session, but that will be quite a fun moment for them. So, um, diving into Rejoice. So we, we looked last week at pause and, and Jules' 
It was, it was amazing talk. For those of you who were here, I think you agree. Wow, what, what, what incredible insight that Jules brought. And if you haven't listened to it, it's on the website. Really, really good talk about the importance. You know, just before Jesus launches into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he encourages people to find that kind of secret place, to go behind closed doors and to pray and to pause and be still um, in the presence of God. And she, um, she really encouraged us to prioritize the presence of God. And I do believe that that is such an important call for us in the midst of our busy lives where we find it difficult to concentrate because our phones are playing music in our pocket and we don't even know how that happened. So we are so easily distracted. And so there is this importance to quieten our minds and our environment just to be in the presence of God. And so that's what we did actually at the furnace last Wednesday. Rich Dinsdale, the wonderful Rich Dinsdale, led us um, in an Ignatian way of praying where we meditated on um, Luke chapter 8, which is the, um, the passage where Jesus um, is in the boat and the waves are crashing and the boat looks like it's going to be overwhelmed and he stands up and calms the storm. And we took a moment in silence in the presence of God to acknowledge this feels like a storm. Jesus, would you stand and calm the storm? And it was still. And it was amazing to be able just to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us in the midst of everything that's going on in that scripture in the stillness and in the silence. Um, and so it's a good reminder for us to um, prioritize that, to be still, to be quiet in the presence of God. Today, we do move into rejoice. Um, and I think, I think in the midst, actually, of what's going on in our world right now, there is something quite prophetically defiant about us rejoicing. Um, for us to be thankful, to remember the goodness of the Lord and all the things that he has done. And to remember, too, that our hope, the hope that we have can't be snatched from us. That the life that Jesus has given us through his death and his resurrection um, won't be thwarted by what we're going through in this moment. And that we cling on to that vision of Revelation 21 where, uh, where it says, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and, their, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And we know that the troubles of this moment will not have the final word. We know that what we're going through right now will not go on forever, but we have this hope that Jesus gives us that all things will be made new. Goodness will prevail. And so we cling on to that and we offer that to our world. That's what makes us distinct. And so this is what we do. We rejoice. And like I said, originally I was going to speak on 2 Samuel 6, but I think um, it's good to just ponder this passage, preach on this passage, and then what I'd love to do is give us a moment to, to talk in groups and pray for one another, if that's all right. Um, and so, let's have a look at this passage that, that Paul, um, Paul writes. And I, I feel that's quite apt, because Paul's been through a huge amount um, in Philippians, and we're going to learn about, we're going to go, we're going to do a deep dive into Philippians next term. Um, so... We're going to go over 11 weeks, really kind of chew on Philippians as a church um, because there's so much good stuff to say. So that starts straight after Easter. 
Um, so this is like a taster, if you like. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much depth about the context because we're really going to do that next term. But um, Paul, who wrote Philippians, um, as he wrote it, he was in prison. Um, he'd been through so much. You know, you read through some of his letters and he does this list of all the stuff that he's been through. The amount of times he's been whipped and shipwrecked and been sick and all these kinds of things. He's been through it all. And he begins this little passage here, Philippians 4, by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Then he goes on to say, I'll read it again, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is just go kind of line by line um, and just draw out maybe one or two things from each, each of the things that Paul says. Um, and then uh, we'll take a moment to kind of reflect on what it might mean for us in this moment. So firstly, um, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And this might feel like a ridiculous thing for Paul to be saying today. However, um, as Paul was in this prison, as I said, he still made it a priority to rejoice, to give thanks, um, to worship, to remember who God is and what he's done for us, and to be grateful. And he'd learnt in the past, um, and we are learning, we've spoken about this before, that, that gratitude, gratitude to God, to God um, for the good things that he's given us begets joy. Um, remember, we were looking at what Brené Brown said um, a, a couple of series back, um, and she found in her research um, that it wasn't joyful, joyful people who were grateful, it was actually grateful people who were joyful. And those people who had that posture of giving thanks, um, one of the fruits, one of the things that overflowed in their life was joy. And so when, um, when it comes to rejoicing, we have a posture of giving thanks to the Lord, that we continually do that regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. And it's a real challenge for us, right? Finding things to be thankful for, finding things to rejoice in the Lord for um, can feel difficult in this moment. And so it's a moment, I think, for us to remember the gospel, to rejoice in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us through his death and his resurrection. We know um, that you know, our sin, the mistakes we've made, the brokenness that we see in our lives and in our world caused a rift between us and God, separated us from God. But God in his great love for us, instead of abandoning us or treating us as our sin deserves, came to earth in the man Jesus Christ, lived the perfect life for us, died the death we should have died, and has given us life and life eternal. This is why we know in a moment like this, for those who call Jesus their Lord and their Savior, that we have hope, hope that won't fade, hope um, that won't let us down. And this is the hope that we get to share with our world in this moment. This is the hope that we rejoice in in this moment. And I wonder if there is an opportunity for the gospel right now in this moment um, that the church has an opportunity to grab with both hands. Our rejoicing in the Lord is a witness to the goodness of God. 
And so the challenge for us in the midst of what's going on in our world is for us to have a posture of giving thanks, a posture of rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus. And I know, um, and I've experienced this, that it's easier said than done to rejoice in a moment, particularly if you're feeling um, stressed or anxious about what's going on in the world. But if we choose to do it, and as we continue to choose to do it, it will change us. And in the midst of all that's going on, hope and joy will start to bubble up in us and will enable us to rejoice in each situation. So that's the first thing that Paul says to us. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a decision. It's a posture. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. The second thing he says is let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, this feels like quite an apt thing to say in this moment. Um, I went to Tesco on Friday. Has anybody been grocery shopping in the last week? Would you describe the experience as gentle? (laughs) No. I left feeling rattled. And it's the first time in my life, too, that my hand soap in the kitchen has dropped to within, and you're just under a third. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to get any more of this again. I've never felt stressed about that before. <laughs> and, and I was struck as I was in the supermarket. The, the, it's not gentle. It's frantic. It's, it's manic. And it's frightening, isn't it, that in a moment like this, what, what it brings up for different people, what it brings up in us. And, and so I think in this moment for Paul, for us to take heed of what Paul is saying, to be gentle, for the church, for the Christian to be gentle um, is absolutely vital um, in, in our time, in this moment. And so for us to kind of embody kindness and wisdom as the Lord gives it to us by the Holy Spirit, to be people who listen, people who care. And we need to be gentle with people as they process things that are going on. Do you know, like there, there are people who are processing, even in this room, processing what is going on in a really different way from how you're processing it. And your instinct might be to think, oh, you're such a clown. That's not how you should be processing it. That might be your instinct. But can I encourage you to choose gentleness, to choose kindness, to be wise with your words in this moment? Um, because how you're feeling is okay. It's how you're feeling, you know. And we, if we go around and say, you shouldn't be feeling like that, um, well, that doesn't help. It doesn't work. And so we need to be gentle with one another, kind with one another, and use this moment to, um, you know, encourage one another and be gentle with one another. And I've been really encouraged, actually. Um, I've heard, heard of a few people in our congregation who have been um, being really gentle and kind and wise with their neighbors, um, putting slips of paper through the doors um, just to say, are you self-isolating? Are you okay? What can we do? And it's a really beautiful moment for the church to show care to our town. And so if I can encourage you in this moment um, also to to let our gentleness um, be evident to all um, as we go through this moment. The next slide. So we're rejoicing in the Lord always. We have a posture of rejoicing. Um, God produces this gentleness that's evident to our town. And then it says, the Lord is near. How encouraging is that? How reassuring is that? To remember that the Lord is not distant. He isn't, he isn't you know, bothered with, with all sorts of other things. He is right 
here, not distant and disinterested. Um, he's nearer than our breath. And Bishop Graham sent an email to all the clergy in, in the area. Um, and he wrote this, I thought it was so good. He said, the, the, the coronavirus outbreak has reminded us of our vulnerability and our mortality, that we're frail and we're subject to powers out of our control. Yet, when we come to the end of ourselves and encounter our own limits, we meet the God of Jesus Christ waiting for us. Right? And I, that's my prayer for us. Um, and for our community, that as we, those who know Jesus and know those who don't, that in the midst of this moment, when we feel like things are spiraling out of control, they would know, we would know the very nearness of God, that he would pour his peace and his love into our situation. And this, again, would be an opportunity for us to be able to point out the nearness of God to our friends and our family, um, and for us to have an opportunity to pray without, the lay, without laying hands on Let's be clear. But just pray for people um, that God's peace would flood their hearts and we can guarantee and know that the Lord is near. So, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your genuineness be known. The Lord is near. And then the, the, the next bit is, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I actually think this may be, for those of you who are wondering, how is it that we rejoice, we give thanks in the midst of this moment? This, to me, is the key. That in the midst of the anxiety that we have, um, we have this the wonderful relationship with God where we are able um, to bring our, our concerns and our worries um, to him in prayer, keep bringing them to him in prayer, and in the context, I like that, of thanksgiving, remembering that in Jesus, coronavirus and all of our worries are defeated. Um, it's in the midst of this kind of relationship of handing these over to God that he pours out his peace. And so I guess as a, as a practice, if we take from this verse here, can I encourage you in those moments where you feel anxious or frustrated or whatever it might look like for you, um, name it before God. Give it to him in prayer. Keep giving it to him in prayer. Give thanks to him um, for the victory that we have and the hope that we have in Christ. And then, in verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My, uh, the, the Andy uh, translation, which is uh, not infallible, but is uh, I think it's nice, is um, <laughs> it is the peace of God that doesn't make sense. In the situation we're in, the peace of God that doesn't make sense. I should be feeling anxious. I should be feeling fearful. And yet I feel peace. That doesn't make sense. And this peace comes from knowing that I have given the worries and the concerns to God and he can be trusted with them. And when it comes to worry, what we do is that we, we, need, we, we find ourselves a need to control the situation. Things feel out of control 
and therefore we become anxious. But when we're able to hand these things on to God, name it before God, give it to God, give thanks to God that he's defeated it in Christ Jesus. And what we're doing is acknowledging God, you are God, not me. And that in the midst of that knowledge, that's where God is able to pour out his peace into our hearts. Peace that doesn't make sense. And my prayer for you today, my prayer for me, is that God will give you his peace. And it will be peace that will not make sense. And, dare I say, it will be a peace that points people to the nearness of God. Why is it? that you seem calm and peaceful in this situation because God reigns. Jesus has won. Can I tell you about him? And so what I'm praying actually for you and will continue to pray for you is this, that God will give you rest. Some of you aren't sleeping well about this. My prayer for you today is that God will help you sleep. Some of you can't stop worrying. My prayer for you is that God would calm your mind and bring you peace. Some of you are feeling really angry about this situation. And can I say, all of these things are kind of justified in the situation, right? It's a natural response. But I'm praying that as you hand the anger and the worry and whatever else to him, he will fill your heart with peace. The peace of God that calms the seas. So this is my encouragement for you to give it to him and rejoice in the knowledge that it is finished. Then we get an extra bonus from Paul. Um, And this is in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about such things. This speaks to me of like the battle of what's going on in our minds, right? So you, I don't know how much time, like if, they, if you get your like screen, uh, what's it called? Your screen, what's that? Screen time. How much of it's going to be like on the BBC? How much are you reading through this stuff and filling your mind and your heart with um, all the stuff that's going on on the BBC? It's not to say we shouldn't stay informed, but um, for me, it's kind of become my go-to. So, you know, like, I wonder what's happening now. And then, I, oh, it's getting worse. And, and I'm continually going back to the BBC. And then I, I filled my heart, my mind with this. And then I've gone and spoke to people. Can you believe it? They've closed all the borders everywhere. And, and then there's this, it continues to spiral, doesn't it? And, and then, you know, you, 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 you look at the, at the thing about Australia and their toilet roll thing. And you're like, oh, that's so silly. And then it happens here. And you're like, oh. And then you talk to people around and you're like, it spirals, doesn't it? And so I actually think this is a profound instruction from Paul that in a moment like this where you are tempted to fill your mind with things that worry you, to fill your mind with the, the, street, the, the news on the BBC, um, here we have an opportunity to fill our minds, like Paul says, for whatever is true, what is true in this situation. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, let's do that. Let's make that a priority. Let's not do it in a way that we're totally ill-informed of what's going on. I think it's, a good, it's good to know what's going on. Um, but what are you filling your heart and your mind with in this moment? 